the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, formerly Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Somebody say, the blood speaks. speaks. Say, the blood speaks. Now, last Friday, we began Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 to 24. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched, and that burn with fire, and to blackness, and darkness, and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that their words should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it should be stoned, or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion. Somebody say, but. but. Say, but. But. Uh-huh. but. You have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, to a heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. Verse 23, it says, You have come to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, who are registered where? In heaven. To God, the judge of all. That is why every matter that concerns your life, concerns your finances, concerns your marriage, it shall be judged in your favor today. In the mighty name of Jesus. He says he's the judge of all. God judges all matters. And he's judging it in your favor. Let your amen be loud as if you are here. He says, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. Somebody say a new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Than that of Abel. Than that of Abel. Somebody say the blood of Jesus Jesus. speaks better things. Say the blood of Jesus Jesus. speaks better things. I'm sure you know accident is not a better thing. I'm sure you know failure is not a better thing. I'm sure you know sickness is not a better thing. The Bible said the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel. And so we need to appreciate what Abel's blood cries out for. Now Cain talked with his brother and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. I'm reading from Genesis 4, 8 to 10. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Somebody say, blood speaks. speaks. Say, blood speaks. Blood speaks. Blood Blood has a voice. Blood has a voice. And blood may either speak against you or for you. 
But you have come into a new covenant where the blood is perpetually speaking for you. Amen. It spoke 2,000 years ago and the voice of the blood is getting louder by the day. You see, there are some voices that spoke many years ago and they are no longer speaking. But the blood of Jesus spoke many years ago and is still speaking till tomorrow. He said the blood speaketh. The actual translation means it keeps on speaking. It's a continuous thing. It is speaking consistently. Every time the blood is speaking. So you want to know the areas of your life where the blood speaks. The blood of Jesus speaks. What are some of the better things? Somebody say the better things. What are some of the better things the blood of Jesus speaks concerning for us? Number one, we said on Friday that the blood speaks of unconditional love. Somebody say the blood speaks. The blood speaks. Unconditional love. Say the blood speaks, the blood speaks of unconditional love. Do you know that God loves you unconditionally? Do you know that you can never end God's love? Do you know that no matter what you do, God is madly in love with you? Now hear me. This is a message not just for church. It's for everybody. Most of the time when we go and sometimes we even hear people preaching on the streets. They preach hailstone and brimstone and fire as if God wants to destroy everybody. But if you look at scripture carefully, God's business is not to destroy anybody. God so much loves sinners. That the Bible said, while we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 6 to 8, he said, while we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Look at verse 7. Then he says, it is possible that for a righteous man, somebody will attempt to die, even for a good man. But in our case, God demonstrated his love. Somebody say, God demonstrated his love. You see, most of the time, eh, when you have been religiously schooled in a particular way for a long time, when you encounter the truth, it's always difficult to receive. It's always difficult to receive because we have been brought up to think that we merit or we earn God's love. So consistently our effort is to earn it. And the more you try to earn it, the farther it gets away from you. You can't enjoy it. Praise God. God loves you unconditionally. When you were deep in sin, he loved you. Now that you are saved, he can't love you less. So stop allowing Satan to take advantage of you. Because Satan's one principal business is to make you feel that God loves you because you did this. God loves you. So the moment you stop doing it, you begin to think God does not love you anymore. God's love for you cannot be based on anything you did or you didn't do. Because when you couldn't do anything good, he loved you anyway. When you couldn't do anything, the Bible says, when we were without strength, Strength is the ability to accomplish something. When we didn't have any capacity to do what was pleasing and acceptable to God, God loved us anyway. He said, while we were sinners, Christ died. He shed his blood for us. So the first thing the blood speaks is, it speaks of God's unconditional love for me. Somebody say, I'm loved. I'm loved. Say, I'm loved. I'm loved. Unconditionally. Let me tell you, people who know they are loved, they live healthier lives. They live better lives. They live more confident lives. And they are able to attain great feats in life. The moment you are made to feel you are not loved, you are not wanted, you are not needed, it, it affects your self-esteem, it affects your confidence. And things that you naturally would have been able to do, you see that you are not able to do it. Most of us are immobilized. 
We are weakened because consistently Satan makes us feel that we are not meeting God's standard. And because we are not meeting his standard, he doesn't love us. That's a lie. When you and I have no standard at all to meet, God loved us. But now that he has enabled you by his spirit to be able to seek and even love him back, do you think he will love you any more or less? That is the first thing that he speaks. Somebody says he speaks of God's unconditional love for me. This is the inner craving of every mortal. Everybody yearns to be loved unconditionally. Everybody yearns. And no human being has the capacity to love you unconditionally until they themselves have experienced the love of God by themselves. Once you understand that God loves you unconditionally, your relationship with him is secure. Somebody say, it's secure. It's secure. And then you are also positioned to love others unconditionally. The reason why people end our love and we do all kinds of things. Some people are just too hard to please. You have to do everything. You can even kill yourself for them and they are still not at peace. But God loves you unconditionally. Somebody say, God loves me unconditionally. Now listen, what I'm telling you, I want it to go from your head to your spirit. So you come to a place where you are persuaded that nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's Apostle Paul. He said, I am persuaded that nothing, those from outside and those from inside, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Number two, it speaks of your value. Somebody say, I am of value. Say, I am of value. Yeah, you have to know you are of value. You are important. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are important. Yeah. Human beings would want to talk you down to make you feel inferior so that they can have advantage over you. That's what human beings would do. But God assures you that you are super important. Somebody say, I'm important. You are valuable to God. Your value is determined by the price that was paid for you. God paid the costliest price just for your salvation. And by by the way, if you are the only person who needed to be saved, Jesus would have died anyway. That's how valuable you are. So never, never feel inferior. Never allow Satan to make you feel inferior. You may not have attended the best school, but you have great value. You may not have so much money, but you have a great value. If the Most High decided to give his priceless gift, spotless child, for you, the Bible said, we were redeemed not with corruptible things, such as silver, or gold or silver. If somebody is going to buy a car for you and he said, the car, he bought it with gold, you value the car, won't you? Won't you? He didn't use CD. You know CD depreciates. Dollar even depreciates. Much more. Say far. They all depreciate in value. Gold is supposed to be one of those values, currencies. I mean, a lot of people measure their wealth in gold. When you have uh, wealth in gold, you are deemed to be wealthy. But the Bible says, compared to the precious blood of Jesus, it is corruptible. God is what? Corruptible. It doesn't compare in value. It does not compare in value to gold or silver. And that was a blood. They brought gold. God said, that one cannot pay. They brought silver. God said, it's useless. They brought the blood of goats. He said, it's useless. The blood of ashes of my half. He said, that what I want is the blood of my priceless son. Spotless, sinless, precious blood of Christ was shed for you. That's how valuable you are to God. Somebody say, I'm of great value. 
Never, never devalue yourself. Never. First Corinthians says, For you are bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, number three, is, it speaks of boldness you have to enter before God. Somebody say, I have boldness before God. You see, these are fundamental truths the blood of Christ makes available for us. Because we have not emphasized this for a long time, it is new to you. But this is where your Christianity should have started from. When your Christianity starts from here, nothing can shake your foundation. It speaks boldness. Somebody say boldness. Say, I have boldness. How many of you have felt guilty before God before? Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. You see, you were cheated by the devil. Every moment you allow Satan to cause you to feel guilty before God is cheating you. Because when you are guilty, you are afraid. When you are guilty, you are intimidated. When you are guilty, you can't pray. When you feel guilty, you can't worship. When you feel guilty, you can even stay out of church. And that is why Satan's principal agenda is to make you feel guilty before God. Most of us, if you will do away with guilty conscience, will be free. But you know, under the Old Testament, blood of animals were shed. But one of the things it could never do was to make the people for whom the blood was shed to be perfect before God. It wasn't possible. Because every time, every year, there was remembrance of sin. The conscience of sin was there. So they could not walk free from sin. But Jesus came and offered his blood. And by that one sacrifice, our conscience is purged. Somebody say, my conscience is purged. So you don't have to allow Satan to uh, bring guilt on your mind. The Bible says, let us therefore come boldly. Somebody say, come boldly. That Hebrew chapter 4 verse 16, let us therefore come boldly. How else? Now, all of us are saved. I, I wouldn't say all of us, most of you, or maybe say, 80 or 99 percent because when i'm done and i make altar call that's when i know whether everybody's saved or not but listen you are saved since you got saved how many of you have never sinned and how many will never sin you have never sinned since you got born again and you will never sin lift up your hands here now listen as long as you have sinned before after you got born again and you will sin again Satan would always have a room to want to accuse you. And when Satan brings accusation, let me show you where your defense is. Your defense is in the blood. Your defense is the blood. The moment he knocks it on your mind, you don't waste your time. Satan, check the cross. When he points you to your fault, your frailties, your weaknesses, and all manner of things he wants to accuse you of, the moment he comes, Point him to the cross. Look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 to 11. Let me show you something. Revelation chapter 12. Satan has one business and is to accuse you day and night. He accuses you of things you have done, things you have not done. That's his business. He said, and I heard a loud voice saying, now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God night and day has been cast down. Look at and they overcame him. How do you overcome the accuser? By the blood. 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 You see, what the blood did was to destroy the power, the power of sin over you. So the Bible says, sin shall not have dominion over you. And it does that by washing your conscience and purifying your conscience. Look at what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 20. 
I want you to come to a place where when you feel good about yourself, you can come to God. When you don't feel too good about yourself, you can say come to God. Because you see, whether you are good, if you have been good all day, you can come to God. And usually when you are coming to God on that very good day, you are coming in the consciousness of your good works. Look at this. When the day has been very well, you didn't fight anybody, you didn't lose your temper or your temperature, everything is fine. That is where you begin to come. But the Bible said, therefore, having boldness to enter the holiest of all by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now listen. Wait. The holiest of all could only be entered by the high priest. And before he entered, he needed to shed blood for himself and for the sins of the people he was representing. But you and I, now when we are entering the holiest of all, we don't come in our righteousness, we don't come by our good works, we come by the blood. I enter the holy of holy. I enter through the blood of Elah. So, so you see, you don't need any mediator again. You can boldly come before God without any element of guilt by reason of the blood. Somebody say, I'm set loose. Say, I come boldly. Boldly. When you are at your best, you come boldly through the blood. Because you see, you see <laughs> the, the thing is that no matter how good you are, you cannot come in your own merits. So thank God for your good works. But that is not the best. When it comes to access into the Holy of Holies, the only thing that is accepted is the blood. Someone say the blood. When I see the blood, I will guarantee you access. And you come through the blood of God. Therefore, having boldness to enter the holiest of all. By the blood of Jesus. Verse 20. Mm. By a new. Somebody say a new. By a new and a living way he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. When Jesus hung on the cross and his blood fell, the Bible said the veil in the temple was torn between. And then boldness and access was granted unto all. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, he said, by him therefore we have access through the spirit to God. Somebody say, I have access. Say, I have access. You have to learn how to deal with guilt. Look at the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. One of the things that Satan uses to defeat people's faith is guilt. Somebody say guilt. You can't receive from God when you feel guilty and condemned. And the thing God's antidote to guilt is the blood. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12 to 14. The New Living Translation. With his own blood. Somebody say with his own blood. Say with his own blood. Uh With his own blood, not the blood of goats or calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time. Oh, once. Somebody say once. Once for all time and secured our redemption for for some time. For two weeks. For three weeks. For as long as you are good. Your redemption is secured forever. Somebody say my redemption is secured forever. Then he begins to compare. He said, under the old covenant, give me verse 14. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of amber could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Somebody say bodies. Uh He's showing you the superiority in the blood of Jesus. But verse 14, just think. Now, if the blood of bulls and of goats 
<laughs> Whoever wrote this book must have been a lawyer. He said, just think. If the blood of bulls and of goats could wash the bodies, just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God by the power of the eternal spirit. Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That's why you can't come before God by yourself. Because no matter how righteous you are, your sacrifice cannot be a perfect sacrifice. Impure thoughts, sin of omission and sin of commission, all of that will limit you. The blood of Christ guarantees you boldness before God through two ways. One, because you are sanctified. Through the blood, you are sanctified and made holy. Somebody say, through the blood. I'm sanctified and made holy. Say, through the blood. I'm sanctified and made holy. He said, but that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Hebrews 10, 10. Once for all. Sanctified once for all. And he's talking about your spirit. Your spirit is sanctified once for all. Look at Colossians 1, 22. Yet now, yet now, he has reconciled us by himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, somebody say, as a result, he has brought you into his own where? Presence. Yet now he has reconciled you through the death of Christ in his physical body. All right? As a result, what has happened? He has brought you into his presence. So the presence of God is no longer a place you need a mediator to come there. While you are under the shower, you can appear in his presence. While you are in the sky, you can appear in his presence. The presence of God is no longer in a temple where you have to go to. You have access to the presence 24-7. And then he says, you are holy. The reason why you have access is that now you are holy. You are blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Now, can you imagine yourself? That is not how we see ourselves. If you saw yourself this way, every time you came to God, you obtain answers to prayer. But when you come to God, you see all the fault. Is it not amazing that the only time Satan makes you see how bad you are is when you come before God. It is when you begin to open your mouth, you want to pray. That's when Satan brings you all kinds of things. And that is where the blood must answer. Yeah, That's not the time to defend yourself. Oh, Satan, you can go and check my tight record. It's useless. You know, I'm a prayer warrior. Those things don't matter at all. What matters and counts with God is the blood. Somebody say the blood. Say the blood. Again, the blood presents you guilt-free because the blood perfects you like Christ. Somebody say, perfect me like Christ. Can you imagine that God sees you like you are perfected like Christ? Perfect. Perfect. He looks at you perfect. Now listen, under the Old Testament, when they brought a sacrifice, eh, what the priest inspected was a sacrifice. It was not the sinner. It was a sacrifice. So if they brought... Uh, Pastor Nile, please come. Pastor Nile is a sacrifice for my sin. Alright? Kneel down like a goat. <laughs> you are not a goat. Now, this is a sacrifice for my sin. Pastor James, come. So, okay. Okay, so now that I've got the two. This is Pastor James. He's a die-hard sinner. Very, very notorious sinner. <laughs> and then, he needs to be, I'm the high priest. You can see by my white suit, I'm a high priest. Now, this man has been brought as a sacrifice for him. Alright? When he is brought to be sacrificed for his sin, as a high priest, 
what I'm supposed to do. I don't go and check his records to see uh, how many sins have you done? What was the last record? Checking how deep his sin is. No. When he comes, as long as his sacrifice is there, I check this. This is the one that is going to be used for his sin. What I do, I check how perfect this is. The moment I see this and this is perfect, he is declared perfect. Am I communicating here? Now, that is what Jesus did. You can take your seat now. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 11 to 14. He said, and every high priest, every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Alright? Because what happened under the old is that sins were not taken away. They were covered for a season. Now go to verse 12. But this man, somebody say this man. This man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. One sacrifice. You see, those who are clapping understand what I'm teaching. Those of you who are sitting down and watching, you are here to come into that frequency. You don't sit down until your job is over. This man, after one sacrifice, he sat down. You see, a lot of us think that when you sin, Jesus now has to get up. Lord, what are we doing about his sin? There is no surprise in heaven at all. He sat down. He is sitting down. And the only thing that matters when you sin is the blood. Somebody say the blood. You see, in heaven, when God sees the blood, he looks over your fornication. He looks over your uh, uh, stealing. He looks over. The moment he sees the blood, that's why you need to be conscious of the blood. There is so much power. Your standing before God is made possible only through one means, and that is by the blood. Look at verse 13, verse 13 quickly. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his foot to verse 14. For by one offering, somebody say one offering. He has perfected for, I really wanted you to see this. He has perfected forever. Can you see that? By one offering, he has perfected forever. Somebody say, I'm forever perfect. Say, I'm forever perfect. That's why in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, he said, the spirit of just men made perfect. The moment you become justified in Christ, you are perfect before God. Somebody say, I'm perfect before God. When you understand this, coming to God is a delight. It's not a burden. In your worst of days, you are not coming to God as a guilty, condemned sinner. You are coming to God as a perfect person. Somebody say an amen. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who have been sanctified. Number three, the blood speaks of a new and a better way to relate to God. Somebody say a new. Say a new and a better way to relate to God. The blood speaks of a new way. A new and a better way. A supreme, a better way. You see, it is important that you learn to embrace God's way of doing things. For your ways are not my ways, neither are your thoughts like my thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The blood that was said established something new. Look at what the Bible says in the book of Matthew 26, verse 26 to 28. These are important fundamental truths you need in your Christian life. And that's why I don't want to be running you helter scatter. You have to get it. Read it and see it. Because some of you, even as you are seeing it, you are still doubting it. Can this be true? 
Praise God. Yeah, you can't tell your mind is remotely controlled by religion. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take it, this is my body. Verse 27. Took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it. All of you. Verse 28. For this, somebody say this. Say this is my blood of the new covenant. When we talk about the blood, you must understand that it was shared to establish something new. The reason why Jesus' blood was shared was because God wanted to do away with the old and to establish the new. And so, when we decide we are going to function under the old after the blood has been shed, we are insulting the intelligence of God. Yeah. That's why the Bible said, but the works of the Lord shall no man be justified. Because this is something he himself has done away with. It's just like we used to be fatals. Now we are embassy of life. And then you say, as for you, when you are even coming here, you are coming to fate house. You are old. You are obsolete. I'm not communicating here. Yeah, it, it looks like you are not even normal. Because it doesn't exist anymore. That is a new era we are in. Look at it from Hebrews. See, all of these things are made clear. The book of Hebrews, I encourage you, make time and study it. But before you do that, go ahead and read Leviticus and come here. He said, chapter 8, for if that first covenant had been what? Oh, let's read it together. If the first covenant had been what? Then no place would have been sought for the second. You don't change the winning team, do you? That's what he's saying. He said, you don't change the winning team. If the first one was okay with God. And by the way, you didn't establish the first one. He did. He did. He established the first covenant with them. And he said, if the first had been okay the way I am. Because this whole covenant thing was actually at the initiation of the children of Israel. They said, all that you have said, we will do. God said, you will do. Go and do it and let's see. From that day forward, they had to do things. And they did a lot of things. And none of the things they did could ever make them perfect before God. Look at it. See it. Because finding fault with them, verse 8, he says, behold, the days are coming. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. The days are coming. Have those days come? When did those days come? When Jesus came and shed his blood. That was the reality of those days. Now when we are reading this, we are not saying the days are coming. The days have come. The days have come. Not according to the covenant. So just in case you are still doubting. What is so special about this new covenant? He says, I want you to know that the new covenant I'm establishing with you is not like the first one. It's going to be very different. How different? He said that I met with your fathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant. And I disregarded them, says the Lord. This is what he's saying. He said the old covenant was dependent on them. And as long as they couldn't honor their obligations, I couldn't meet them. They disregarded and I dealt with them. So sometimes when we read the old and we see God's judgment rain upon people and all of those things, that was the covenant they were operating under. That was what demanded. Once you forgo it, you have to be dealt with. But under our covenant, all the ways, every way God needed to deal with us, he dealt with Christ. <laughs> you didn't understand that. All the dealings with God, he dealt with Christ. Our punishment was laid on him. Our iniquities were laid on him. Our sicknesses were laid on him. Now listen, that's why God cannot be a just God if he decides to punish you again. He becomes an unjust God. If he decides, he's going to punish you again. Because that will be against his own judgment. 
our iniquities, our judgment. That's what the Bible says, whosoever believeth in him, he shall not be condemned. He has passed from death to life. There is no wrath against the child of God. Hear me. There is no wrath against the child of God. Somebody said there is no wrath against the child of God. Never ever feel intimidated and afraid before God. Never. Never. No matter what it is you do, never feel intimidated. He's most excited when in spite of your weakness and frailties you can come to him. That's what makes him feel that he's a loving father. Who is a loving father whose children are running away from him? Look at it. Let's read it all. You see, most of these things, when we think that, I don't want to be like, I'm telling you my mind or something. Let's read it from the Bible. Say, because they don't continue. Go to verse 10. Let's read it. Yeah, 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 yeah. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my loss. Now listen. He says, the first one, they didn't continue and I disregarded them. But here, he says, this is a new covenant I'm going to make with them. And look at the number of times the word I will is in this. I will, the number of times. He said, this is a covenant I'll make with them. I will put my laws in their heart and write them upon them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 11, he says, none of them shall teach his neighbor nor his brother. Say, no, the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. Verse 12, he says, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Am I communicating? Now, this is your heritage under the new. I will. One of the things that distinguishes the old from the new is that this new is dependent on God. Now, listen. When this become, you become rooted and grounded in this. Most people think that it will actually give you liberty to say no. Praise God. No. 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 It will actually liberate you from the power of sin. That's what it's supposed to be. It liberates you from the power of sin. Because it's, you see, it's just one sin you did. One baby you aborted many years ago because things were very tough. And for 10 years, you are still living under that guilt. Are you not in bondage? When you get to know this reality, you are freed from it. I'm not complicating. You are freed from it. Even if you have aborted 10, the blood covers them all. I'm not complicating here. It covers them all. And you can't see a man who you will mess up. You see, when you see somebody, when you know you really don't deserve a thing and it is given to you, ah, Abba, Abba, when you know you don't deserve it and you, you are given, you learn to value it. Am I communicating? That's what happens. And when we teach the New Testament like it ought to be taught, that's what happens. People fall in love deeper with God. People become genuine in their faith with God. Am I communicating here? You have to be genuine with your faith with God. He paid the price. Praise God. He paid the price. For a long time, as preachers, you think that if teaching this gives people liberty to sin, then Jesus gave us liberty to sin. It is he who gave us the liberty because it was his blood that was shed. It's not my own. Am I communicating? It was his blood. And he says, once the blood is shed, there is a new way to relate with him. You relate with me based on faith in the work I did, not in your own works. Praise God. Faith in the work I did, not your own works. Somebody say, my relationship is dependent on him, not on my ability to keep the law. 
Pastor, let's go. You know, you have to give people guidelines to live their lives. Look at James chapter 2, verse 10. If you are a lawyer here, you are very good at keeping law. Look at James chapter 2. The only time a man keeps the law and is accepted, then I will say, James chapter 2, verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumble in one point is guilty of all. Do you see that? Lawyers keep on keeping the law, but you are as guilty as anyone else. You have to keep all. You have to keep all of them to be perfect. And no one, look at Romans chapter 3 verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no man shall be justified. Romans chapter 3 verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, shall no flesh, somebody say no flesh. And that flesh includes your own flesh. No flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. We'll come back to this sometime to come. Look at where I read again. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 9 to 12. Oh, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All I'm sinking Said, this is the covenant I made with them. I took them by the hand. They did not remain faithful to my covenant. So I turned my back on them. Praise God. Praise God. It speaks of eternal redemption. I wanted to start on a few days. It speaks, somebody say, it speaks of eternal redemption. The blood speaks, it speaks of eternal redemption. Not uh, some redemption that comes and goes. No. It speaks of eternal redemption. The Bible said, 1 Peter 1, 18 to 19, knowing that you were not redeemed. Somebody say redeemed. The word redeemed means to be bought back, to be purchased at a high cost, to be bought back, or to be set free, or delivered by the payment of debt. There is a certain amount. Let's say, Pastor James, please come. Pastor James is here, and then Ima come. All right. So Ima, that's your father, right? That's his father. He owes this man uh, $10,000. Alright? This man owes this man $10,000. He can't pay. Doesn't have the money to pay. So he comes, he carries his child. Carry the child. Carry him away. Carry him away. Ah, I carry him like this. <laughs> so, so he carries him away. Go, go. Alright? Now, so how else can he get him back? How else can Mr. Ima get his child back? He has to come and pay the money, right? Alright, so that is basically our story. But when Jesus came, so I'm Jesus. He can't pay, I'm coming to pay for him. Alright? When Jesus, I came, I gave him $100,000. He owes him $10,000. I'm giving him $100,000. What have I done? I have overpaid him. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so I have a right to assess this one. Any control. Now listen. Any control. Any power. Anything that made this man to be able to have this one and possess him. That control is broken. Am I communicating? So anything this man has, he cannot lay claim on this child again. Ever again. That's what happens. The Bible said, neither by the blood of bulls nor goats, but by his own blood. He redeemed us once and for all. That price has been paid. You are perpetually free from Satan. Somebody say, I'm free from Satan. 
Say, I'm free from Satan. Now listen, why you understand redemption this way, you'll be free. A lot of people are keeping people and the way you are going, you are under a curse. Curse? Don't insult the intelligence of God. You can't be under a curse. You can't be under a curse. You may be challenged, but don't let people define it as a curse. Am I communicating here? Yeah, because for there are some pastors, their specialty, anything that repeats itself, one, two, three, is a curse. No. The Bible says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the Lord. Do you know the price that was paid? No, it wasn't any less price. It was an overpaid price. So if whatever the legitimate reason, once the price is paid, the curse has to be broken. That's why this morning I declare every satanic plague on your life. I decree it is broken over your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now listen, if sit, sit down. If Satan can make you believe that, you see, whatever you believe works for you. If he can make you believe that you are under a curse, he is just using that. The reason why a lot of people, their life goes in a cycle of curses is because that's what they've come to believe. They believe in the reality of a curse over their lives than the reality of the redemptive work of Christ in their lives. You cannot be cursed. South, I cannot be cursed. Look at Hebrews. Oh, everything is Hebrews here. But Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. He said, In whom we have redemption. Ephesians chapter 7, 1, verse 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Somebody have redemption. Where were you redeemed? Through the blood. First Peter 1 18, he says, We have been redeemed not with corruptible things through the blood. Uh, Colossians 1 14, in whom we have redemption. In whom we have what? Redemption. Somebody have redemption. I have redemption. My children are redeemed. My life is redeemed. My mind is redeemed. Through the blood, I have redemption. I have redemption. And listen, you don't have a temporal redemption, you have eternal redemption. Your spirit is eternally redeemed. Eternally redeemed. What you are waiting for is the redemption of your body. The redemption of your body. When mortality shall be swallowed up by immortality. That is what you are waiting for. If you are born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, accepted Christ, placed faith in Christ, you are eternally redeemed. Somebody say, I'm redeemed. Say, I'm redeemed. Hebrews 9 12, with his own blood. Somebody say, with his own blood. With his own blood. Not the blood of goats and calves. He entered in the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Somebody say, forever. The word forever means forever. He secured it. Now, listen, the reason why redemption is secured forever. That is why when somebody gets born again, we don't see Jesus on the cross again. He did it one time so that anybody who ever comes to faith in Christ, he is credited with that redemption. That's what happens. Jesus, look at this. Oh, Revelation 5. And they sang a new song. May you begin to sing a new song. By reason of redemption, we can sing a new song. It's a song of freedom. It's a song of liberty. It's a song of health. It's a song of prosperity. It's a song of peace. It's a song of progress. Somebody say, I'm singing a new song. They couldn't sing a better song. 
until the blood fell. When the blood fell, then ultimately everything changed. They began to sing a new song. Revelation chapter 5 verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals. For you were, he was what? And have redeemed us unto God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Be redeemed by the blood. When the blood was shed, your redemption was established. Oh, and look at verse 10. 10, 10. We'll read verse 10 to 12. And have made us. Who are you now? Who are you now? Who are you now? Who are you now? As a priest, you can boldly come to the throne. Praise God. As a king, you can command Satan to take his hands off you. As a king, you dominate. As a priest, you are able to come boldly before God on him and to enforce the will of God on the earth. Kings and priests on the earth and we shall reign. Listen, we are not here to be victims. We are here to dominate. Say, by the blood, I'm here to dominate. By the blood, I reign and rule as a king. How else can you reign and rule as a king? Look at verse 11. Oh, yeah. And I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. The living creatures, the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Verse 12. Let's read it together. Verse 12. Who sang it? Oh, you are not saying it with a loud voice. Wait, 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 wait. Listen, we want to say it with a loud voice. He said, Say it with what? A loud voice. Worthy is who was slain. Somebody shout yes! Listen! Did Jesus need power? Did Jesus need riches? Did Jesus need wisdom? Did he need strength? Did he need honor? Did he need glory? Did he need blessing? He received all of that on your behalf. Praise God! Somebody say, I have power. power. Say, I have riches. I have wisdom. I have strength. I have honor. I have blessing. Praise God. That's what you have and that's what you are in Christ. You receive all of that on your account. This is blood power. Somebody say, blood power. Blood power. Blood power. That's what you have. Oh, Pastor... This is my week. No, you have strength. Am I communicating here? Things are very tough now. No, you have riches. I may not have it in my pocket, but I have riches. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm confused. I don't know what to do. Listen, you have wisdom. You can't be confused. The wisdom of God is at work in you. I function in wisdom. I operate in superior wisdom. Can somebody shout an amen? No, that's it. On the account of the blood. Same. As for me, maybe I'm going to be a, a, a new one. No, 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 no. The era of shame is over. This is a season of glory and honor. From today, wherever you step, people will honor you. People will celebrate you. People will acknowledge who you are now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Anything that makes people feel ashamed of you and to undermine you. From today, by the blood, I declare they are rolled away from your life. They are rolled away from your life. 
walk in liberty walk in strength walk in honor walk in power in the name of Jesus take your seat somebody say I'll be redeemed you'll be redeemed from sin and the power of sin that's what the Bible says sin shall not have dominion over you now when we sin we have chosen to sin it's not because we are we are we lack the power to do right praise God you have been freed from the law you've been freed from sickness he said he was wounded for our transgressions bruised for our iniquities and by his stripes we were healed first Peter 2 24 first Peter 2 24 he said who by his own who himself bore our sins on his own body on the tree that we haven't died to sin my live for righteousness by whose stripes we were healed somebody say I'm healed I'm delivered I'm blessed I'm forgiven that's the next thing the blood speaks it speaks forgiveness somebody say forgiveness have you ever done something against someone who is struggling to forgive you listen if you have tried and they won't mind forget about them the most important person whose life matters and whose forgiveness matters that's already forgiven you you know that some people must embarrass <laughs> trying they don't let go as for me, praise God. When you are dealing with an infantile type of person, don't translate it to God. God, God forgives. Look at this. The Bible says, uh, in fact, uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, he said, in fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no what? So when the blood is shed, there is what? Say, there is forgiveness for me. Never. This is also one area Satan keeps people in bondage. When you confess once and twice, you have insulted what Christ did on the cross. Do you hear me now? Satan is free to remind you many times but confess it once. There's forgiveness. Forgiveness is not something that you have to go for. It is available for you to take. Anytime God knows you will need forgiveness because I checked in the new covenant. He said, I remember their sin. I will blot out their transgression and I will remember their sins no more. I said, ah, new covenant when we have been given power to live above sin we will still sin he says in this covenant i'll remember your sins no more because he knows that even under the new you will sin he has made provision in advance you see god is a very wise god if he had not done all of this it means that every time when you lie jesus must come to the cross physically he has to come to the cross how wicked he will be that's why the bible calls him the only wise god when Jesus hung on the cross let me tell you your past sins were dealt with the sins you commit today after service they've been dealt with the ones you will do tomorrow they've been dealt with uh, see some people are not looking fine <laughs> I know it now praise God I know it I can see your face even with the face mask I can see some of you are hungry but I would rather make you angry and make God happy. Listen, I told you that fasten your seatbelt. Some of these foundations, I gave them to you and I'll dismantle them. 
No, 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 no. Your past sins were dealt with. Your present sins have been dealt with. And your future sins have been dealt with. Because that, that's the only thing. You see, that is what makes us have the ability to come to God at all times. Because all of the, the ultimate thing Jesus did was to make a way so that nothing can hinder you from ever approaching God. That's what, that if you want to summarize what the blood of Jesus did, it's one thing to take away all barriers, all things that can potentially stop you from accessing God so that you can come boldly before God. If your past sins can be a hindrance, and how many of you know your past sins can be a hindrance? Ooh, your past sins can be a hindrance. Can they be a hindrance? Oh, some of us, they are even still hindering us today. The reason why you have not received your breakthrough is because of your passing. A certain passing that has become a stronghold in your mind. It's so strong that you think that as for that sin, the way you really did that sin, the blood of Jesus. <laughs> the way I really did this sin, can I really be forgiven? Where it's under the blood. Somebody says it's under the blood. The past is under the blood. The present is under the blood. And then the future is under the blood. So whichever way Satan can never stop you from coming to God. Can somebody say an amen? Look at this. Let's read a few scriptures. Ephesians 1 7. He said, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Somebody say the forgiveness of sins. Uh-huh. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom. With his own blood. Uh, according to. Wait. The forgiveness of sins. Colossians 1. Verse 14 to 13. Now let's start from verse 12. Because verse 12 is interesting. Colossians. Giving thanks. Somebody say giving thanks. You see there are some revelations. The moment you lay hold on it. You will only be full of thanks. Giving thanks to the father. Who has qualified us. To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. How did he do it? He has delivered us. Somebody say, I'm delivered. Now, you see, some of us are going for deliverance after deliverance. But when you came to Christ, you were delivered. Praise God. Somebody say, I'm delivered. Is it past, present, or future? He has delivered us from the power. So, since you were delivered from the power of darkness and convert us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Verse 14. In whom? Somebody say, in whom? Your forgiveness is where? Your redemption is in him. Your forgiveness in through his blood. Through his blood. The forgiveness of our sins. Somebody say, I have forgiveness. Listen. When Satan tells you God will not forgive you, tell him, Satan, I have it. It's not like it's with God I'm going to collect it all. No, I have it already. <laughs> Someone say, I have it. Is that not what your Bible is saying? I have it. So if I have it, I take it when I need it. I take it when I need it. Somebody anoint you, you said your head is like a type. Take forgiveness. I have it. Praise God. You see, why you understand this? Even after you have fought with someone, which I won't advise you to do, if somebody is sick by you, I take forgiveness. You, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And the person must be healed. Am I complicated? You see, you see the way you are looking? 
That is what, listen, because I almost said I want you to try it. Yeah, because see, so you will see the reality of it. That's when you will know that this thing is not about you, it's about him. Satan will immediately let you feel, ah, now Christoni into one one, all the cast will be too soon, and now they say about Christ to demon and I had to man. Tell Satan it's between me and my father. And between us, the transaction is that I have forgiveness. If it happens, I take it, we move on. I take it, we move on. I take it, we move on. I take can I exhaust it? No, you can't exhaust it. Am I communicating here? The blood of Christ is speaking better things. He's speaking forgiveness for you. Every day is speaking forgiveness for you. The Bible says, forgive us this day our trespasses. So as long as there will be trespasses, the blood must speak daily for you. Am I communicating here? You, the blood is speaking forgiveness for you. Somebody shout, I have forgiveness. Say, I have forgiveness. That's what you are. I'm closing. You have justification. It speaks justification. Justification, when we say justification, it, it, it sounds like one big theological word. But what it simply means, it means you have right standing with God. Somebody say correct standing. You have correct standing with God. You, you, you can stand before God without any sense of guilt or shame. You, you have right standing. You have right standing. When you stand in Christ, you have right standing. When you stand in yourself, you have wrong standing. Praise God. You have right standing with God. Look at this. And all of these have been made available by the blood. So the blood speaks redemption. The blood speaks forgiveness. The blood speaks our value. The blood speaks justification. Somebody say justification. Say justification. When we say someone has been justified, it means he's been declared not guilty. Somebody say I'm not guilty. When Satan brings guilt on your mind, turn to Satan and say, check the blood. My justification is on the cross. I am not guilty. Satan, I committed abortion, but I'm not guilty. Satan, you said I stole money. I'm not guilty. Because the blood has justified me. Am I communicating here? You see, because without the blood, you stand guilty and condemned. But in the blood, you are justified. It's as if you never did. You see, justification somebody said is just as if you have never sinned you stand before God and it's as if you have never sinned that's how God looks at you because when you stand before him he doesn't look at you as minister law he looks at you as Christ you have justification look at Romans Romans chapter 5 verse 9 to 11 much more somebody say much more much more having been justified by Justified by your works, justified by your status, justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath. <laughs> now look at this. This because this is my next point. He said, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of now. Listen, you should understand grammar here. He said, When we were enemies, it means that you are not God's enemy. Am I communicating here? And that is one of the things the blood makes available for you. The blood reconciles you to God. God is angry with you. God is angry with you. Don't let no preacher preach you down and make you feel that God is angry with you. No matter what you do, God cannot be angry with you. You see, our message to the world is that no matter what they have done, God still wants them. That is the message we have been given. That is the message we have been given. It's not, it's not, it's not a message. Oh, because of what you have done, God wants to kill you. No, that's not the gospel. The gospel is that 
in spite of all that you have done, God is still interested in you. God still loves you. God still wants you. Because of all that you did, he sacrificed his son. So if he loses you, he's losing twice. And God is not a fool. God doesn't want to lose twice. That's why the message we've been given is not a message of condemnation. It's a message of reconciliation. He said, for God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their sins unto them. He was not telling them how bad you are. Don't go tell a sinner how bad you are. Oh, you are a fornicator. You are going to hell. That's not the message you are giving. That's no good news. When somebody has been caught red-handed in the act and they want to kill him, the best news you can give him is that I want to take your place. I'm not communicating. That's it. The good news is that you are a sinner. You deserve to die. You deserve to be stoned. But neither do I condemn thee. I have given, I have taken your place so you can go home free. The Bible said God was in Christ reconciled. Oh, I like it. Now, 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 let's go back to verse 17 because you see this whole thing. Why you get born again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This scripture is beautiful. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is what? A new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become. Now look at verse 18. Verse 18. Verse 18. Please understand this. When we are going out for evangelism, that must be the message. All things are of God who had reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And I will show you where you were reconciled. Through Jesus Christ, you and I have been reconciled. So don't go and create a bad impression. There are some messages when we preach, we make God look bad. Am I complicated here? We make God look bad. If you tell a sinner that hellfire is waiting for him, you are making God look bad. Because the truth of the matter is that hellfire is not waiting for any sinner. Hellfire would only be given to a sinner who refused to acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus. So, now listen. Why would you point the person to the problem when the solution is there? Because of sin, he's supposed to go to hellfire. Because of Christ, he's not supposed to go to hellfire. So, why don't you tell him that accept Christ and then hellfire will be gone? That's what the Bible is saying. Now all things have God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us a ministry. Somebody say a ministry. That's one of the series we'll be running, fulfilling your ministry. A ministry. You have been given a ministry. And it's a ministry of condemnation. A ministry of condemnation. A ministry of hellfire. A ministry of uh, you will die. A ministry of God has cursed you. You have been given a ministry of reconciliation. What? Listen, if you want to really reconcile people, you have to talk well. There are some people, if you invite them in your marriage matter, they will destroy the marriage. Because they will come and lay blame. When you are doing reconciliation, you don't put blame. The way you spoke to your husband is a very foolish way to speak. Ah, that's for the matter. Because when you finish, that is what the wife has been telling him all along, that he's a foolish man. Today, you have just confirmed it with your word. So you have cemented the thing; it will never go away. You see, this is what you That's what I've been telling you. See, he even told Pastor, even told you that you're foolish. No, when you are reconciling, this is what you do: the ministry of reconciliation. Verse nineteen: that God was in Christ. Ah, yeah, yeah. Somebody say God was in Christ. When Jesus came, the reason why oh, listen. When Jesus came, do you remember that sinners were his friends? Republicans were his friends. Publicans. Why could he? Because he was not condemning them. 
When he met Zacchaeus, he said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. Hey, Pastor Zacchaeus. Ah, I saw for my man, this is a discount. Zacchaeus is your You see, but that's where Jesus will go. That's it because he knew God was a guy reconciling them, not imputing their trespasses to them, but has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Listen, when you speak, eh, people should know that God is good. Am I communicating? That's good news. When you speak, people should know that God is good. They must be longing to have friendship with God. Am I communicating? Because that's what God has given us. Our message is that of redemption. Our, that is the relationship. So when we sing, thank you for the cross, Lord, this is what we, we thank God for. Praise God. This is what we thank God for. This is what we thank God for. There were people who were legitimately qualified to be condemned. Even them, Jesus did not condemn them. Looked at the woman. They said, we have got there in the heart. Oh, direct. I don't know how they saw it. Whether CCTV camera or something. But they said, we got him red in, in her in the heart. And the law says, somebody say the law. <laughs> Listen. Every time you live under the law, you think you are condemning somebody, you have already condemned yourself. When they presented the law to Jesus, and Jesus gave them back the law, all of them left. You remember? All of them left. He said, the law says that if you catch a person like the way we've caught, we should stone the person. So now that you are pretending to be the Messiah, what do you say? Jesus sat down and began to the ground. He was going through the law. He was looking for one of those laws that will kill all of them. And he found one. He found it in James chapter 2 verse 10. He says, for if you keep the whole law and you are guilty in one, you have broken the whole law. So now you people, he who has never broken a law, cast the stone. This morning, may I ask you, anyone who has never sinned, Lift up your hands. All of them from the high priest, they left. They left. They left. They left. They left. Everybody left because by the works of the law shall no man be justified. Nobody. Nobody. All of them left. Jesus looked at it. He said, Woman, you see, that's why it's risky for you to take up the ministry of condemnation. Because listen, you don't qualify to condemn anybody. I don't. Because you and I, no matter how we have observed the law, we are guilty in some way. Am I communicating here? Pastor Charles, I know you're a holy man. <laughs> you are not guilty in any way. But all of us are guilty in some way. Now listen, the reason why it's dangerous to condemn anybody because is because the one who qualifies to condemn, never condemned. The only person, the only person when they arrested the woman, the only person who could say stone her right away was Christ. And he said, even I, I refuse to condemn you. Why? Because the son of man did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Am I communicating here? I'm not condemning you because that's not my business. My business is after I have done this sacrifice for you, anybody who refuses to accept this, those are the people who will be condemned. But anybody who accepts what I have done, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Have you been helped today? 
Stand on your feet and begin to thank God. Give him praise. Afroqua has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afroqua on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services at our headquarters church, 6.45 a.m. to 8 a.m. for our first service, 8.30 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. for our second service, and 10.15 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our third service, and on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. Locate us on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santati Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on our YouTube and Facebook pages, Embassy of Life Chapel. God richly bless you. Oh,